Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Hey, would you join me in saying thanks to all these artists one more time? Man. <laughs> I am telling you, you know, God, one of, God has been very good to us on this planet, and one of the things he did was give us artists to create beauty, uh, vocal beauty, musical beauty, auditory beauty, visual uh, beauty, so that we're reminded of him. It points back to him. And I think he just likes our church a lot better than, you know, uh, any place I've ever served before because he keeps dumping these great uh, artists uh, in our, our midst. And it's good to have, we have, many of them are friends of our church. They're from other places, but they'll come uh, periodically to, to help us like Lanier on the piano. I think he's done that before. Have you noticed that? I think he's done that once or twice. Lanier's been on the faculty at Point University since Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And uh, they've been very glad that he's been there. He's a master at what he does and a great brother in Christ. And it's so good to have Mike Parker back with us uh, again. You know, a year ago, Mike was called to be the worship pastor at Riverside Church in Fort Myers, Florida. We got any South Florida folks here at Fort Myers? You'll know that. You'll know that sister church, and uh, it's great to have him uh, uh, back. We brought him up on this Sunday, so he'd be reminded of one of the reasons he's glad God took him to Florida uh, for the weather. But Mike, welcome back, and uh, it's good to be with uh, uh, with you. I, I've been having, uh, this time of year, I have questions <clears throat> from uh, time to time from um, people who are a little early on in their journey of uh, walking uh, with Christ, and then sometimes from uh, those of you who uh, have been following Jesus for a very long time, and it uh, kind of goes like this. I'm, I'm excited about Christmas, and, uh, but in one of their more honest moments, they'll say, now, where does this all fit? And what they're asking is this, uh, or what they're revealing is this, and that I, I discover many of us view the Bible as a uh, kind of a loosely connected collection of stories and religious uh, truths and, and ethical principles just all bound up and we kind of flip through back and forth with them. That is not the case. That is not the case. The Bible is, here we go, ready? One unified story that points to Jesus, that leads to Jesus and provides God's wisdom and insight uh, for the rest of the world. And so uh, I, I decided today to just, in 30 minutes, preach the whole Bible. Sorta. Sorta. Uh, I'm going to take a 30,000-foot flyover and answer the question, where does Christmas fit in God's story? So let's, let's, let's see the, the Bible today. Is This is God's great story of uh, truth and reality, and of his activity with mankind, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go through it and see right where Christmas fits and where and why it matters to you and me uh, here uh, today. So one of the ways that uh, theologians and, and teachers uh, and writers down through the years have described God's great story as a, as a great drama that has four acts 
in it. And let's call them, uh, here are the four acts. Creation, fall, redemption, completion. Say that with me. Creation, fall, redemption, completion. Now, you can, you can better understand where Christmas really fits and why it matters if you'll put it in, uh, in the context of God's great story and these four acts. And we're going to look at those uh, today. Now, many, many uh, uh, of our, our great theologians and writers and pastors have described this before, but I came across a summary of this story in a book that I recommend to you. Uh, the title of the book is Letters to an American Christian. Letters to an American Christian, written by Dr. Bruce uh, Ashford, who is a theologian and uh, professor at one of our seminaries, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina. And in chapter 2 of his book, he, he kind of describes this. He did it so well that I'm going to borrow uh, his words for most of my talk uh, today. But you might get that book for yourself. So let's... Um, Let's get ready. I've given you a note sheet in your bulletin, and uh, let's go to work. So here we go. Act 1, jot this word down, creation. Act 1 in God's great story is creation. Now, in the Bible's very first sentence declares these words in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in in chapter 1, the very first scene of the very first act in God's great story, we, it teaches us that God created matter out of nothing, that he spoke matter itself into existence. And then he shaped that matter into the world as we see it uh, now. And then with a final flourish, kind of as an artist, with a final flourish, he created human beings. As... Uh, and he created them in his image, the Bible says, and in his likeness in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So you can legitimately say that uh, you are part of uh, the crown jewel of God's creation. Uh, human beings were the crown jewel of creation. And you are, and all, hu- all people are at once, we are, uh, we are at once part of God's creation and... We hold a unique place in God's creation. Now, then God, in, in this act, he immediately follows up with uh, giving the first couple, Adam and Eve, some responsibilities, major tasks uh, that, we, that we still have today. And he gave them these. Uh, one is a social task. One is a cultural. Uh, the other is, uh, we could call it managerial or administrative. Uh, a good Bible word is a, a stewardship responsibility over creation. And so God, first of all, instructs this very first couple to uh, be, here's the, he's a, be fruitful and multiply and, uh, and fill the earth. Now, this is a social task which uh, certainly includes beginning to have children, create more human beings to populate the earth. But by inference and by implication, it also meant that uh, we were to form communities and societies. And uh, so that's a social task. He also gave them a cultural responsibility. He calls them to till the earth. Now, that does not mean that he just called all human beings to be in agriculture. Uh, he's saying here 
that this was a cultural task that involved uh, taking the, the, this creation that God had put in place and continue to work with it and bring out all of the hidden uh, uh, potentialities uh, to discover what's there and to maximize it. So a, a very important, and we're still at that uh, today. He also finally tells them to subdue it. Now, this is the managerial or the administrative uh, task and responsibility that he gave this first couple. We still have it today, and that means that is, includes being involved as acting as God's agents in the world. Uh, acting as God's agents in the world or on God's behalf uh, to interact with the good creation that he uh, had created uh, with good intent to make something out of what he had already made for his glory and the good of other human beings, for human flourishing and well-being, and again, to bring out all the hidden potential of creation. Uh, again, for the glory of God and the good of people and the accomplishment of God's purposes. In other words, he was telling them, make culture, create culture as his agents in the world to bring about his purposes Again, for his glory, the good of other human beings. And, um, and so he gave Adam and Eve meaningful work, a purpose in existence. He has, uh, that's what he desires for you as well. So here we go. We're coming to the, the end of the first act, the final scene of the first act. And we see that God's world in this first act was characterized with four major characteristics. Love, order peace, and justice. Wouldn't that be nice? Love, order, peace, and, and justice. And also, we, we see that at the end of the first act that this couple uh, had very healthy relationships. They had healthy and life-giving relationships with God, with each other, and with the rest of the world. And so we come to the fir- end of the first act, which is what? Creation. Creation. Then we come to the, the second act, write down this phrase, the fall. The fall. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like a season of the year? Nope. Nope. Uh, I mean, we come to the scene where everything fell apart. Now, this is both fascinating and very sad. Very, very sad. Now, just as I said, at the end of creation, the world was characterized by love, order, peace, and justice. And the first couple had very healthy relationships and life-giving relationships with God, with each other, and with the rest uh, of the world. Uh, but when we come to the, uh, to the fall, that changes. You see, God's intention for human beings was to, to live forever in the ideal state of love, peace, order, injustice, and life-giving relationships. But they wouldn't. And we haven't, have we? Very sad. For sadly, the first couple chose a different path. And uh, we come to this second act in God's great story just three chapters into the, to the story. In Genesis chapter 3, we find that Adam and Eve turned against God. They turned against God by doing uh, something uh, that we tend to want to do. They tried to enthrone themselves as king and queen over the world rather than being satisfied to serve God's purposes and manage creation under God's kingship. 
Remember when the tempter came to him? He said, if you'll just do this, you'll be like God. So we want to be like God. They were saying, we want to be God. I want to be, I don't want to serve the king. I want to be king. I don't want to serve the king. I want to be queen. And uh, when they did that, everything began to unravel. Everything began to fall apart. And uh, instead of this unbroken experience of love and, and peace and um, uh, justice and order, they also began to experience hatred. And they also began to experience disorder, chaos. And they also began to experience violence. And they also began to experience injustice. And instead of an, an, an unbroken ongoing, everlasting, uh, uh, healthy relationship, life-giving relationship with each other and with God in the world, they also begin to experience brokenness and dysfunction and, uh, in their relationships with God, with each other, and uh, in the world. And you know, so what's the result of that? Well, look around. Watch one episode, one 30-minute episode of the evening news. And you'll find pretty much typically, test me on this. This week, watch, pick your, pick your, doesn't matter, pick your network of, of preference, even the one you like the most. And here's what they're going to report on, four things. They're going to report on the hatred of the day, the disorder and chaos of the day, the violence of the day, and the injustice of the day. All of those things that came with the fall. My, my little grandmother would never would watch the news. And I said, why don't you, I called her Mama, she lived with us. Mama, why don't you watch the news? Same thing happens every day, it's just to different people. And it's all bad. Uh, she was grieving the fall. And um, uh, it's not a pretty picture. Now, it's, the picture is, is, it looks so bad that, that we are tempted to look at the evil in this world and to, to conclude that the world is inherently evil. But if you go back and look closely at Act 1 in God's great story creation and Act 2, the fall, you'll find it won't let us come to that conclusion at all. Um, it prevents that. So think of it this way. After the fall of man, after this trouble uh, came, the world... And here's the, here's the, uh, some terms that the, the theologians have helped us with. Uh, the world remained structurally good, but became directionally corrupt. So think in those terms. Structurally good, directionally bad, or, or uh, corrupt. Now let me, let me explain it this way. Uh, when I say that the world remains structurally good, I mean the world was still as God had originally structured it. The human beings, Adam and Eve, the first couple... They still had the opportunity to be in a right relationship with God and with each other and the rest of the world. They still had the privilege of uh, fulfilling their responsibilities, the work that God, the meaningful work God had given them, the social, the cultural, and, and managerial responsibilities. They still could participate in every realm of life and, and culture as God's representatives. They still had that opportunity, uh, if they would, in all the realms like art and agriculture and education and entertainment and, and even politics once it got there, uh, they still had those opportunities. But even though the world was structurally good, 
it became directionally bad or let's say corrupted. And, and what I mean by that is this. Human efforts were no longer directed in God's way for God's purposes, for God's glory and for the good of all. Instead, human efforts had been directionally corrupted. Let's turn around so that uh, human efforts were primarily exerted uh, in morally wrong ways. Morally wrong ways, evil ways, and self-centered, selfish uh, ways with towards se- all about me. You know, we, we immediately, as one of my, my eye doctors said, who's a Christian, he said, you know, way back there, people developed eye trouble. They developed me, myself, and eye trouble. And so it, it became directionally about me, myself, and I, and morally evil. We're tempted for that uh, all, the, all, the, um, all the time. And so it should be no surprise to you and me that, when, uh, that every realm of culture is now twisted and corrupted. Not completely, but it's been affected by uh, the fall. All of life is. So we should not be shocked when we learn that people in power in different places around the world uh, govern the world in such ways that are unjust and unwise uh, and unloving. We shouldn't be surprised by that. We should not be shocked when people tend to use... Uh, use people and power and possessions to serve themselves to the neglect of other uh, people, whether it's um, on the playground or to all the way to the palace. Uh, it, it, it should not surprise us. You see, the problem in the world and the problem in, on the North American continent and the problem in the United States of America and the problem in the state of Georgia and the problem in Fayette County and the problem on your street, and the problem in, under your roof is that they are all populated by human beings who have fallen and, and who are constantly tempted to direct our efforts away from God and good towards self-centered goals and morally wrong means. Everyone. Everyone. Now, uh, I have a couple of English teachers here. John Milton, the great poet, calls this paradise lost. And, buddy, it was lost. It was lost. And so, um, thankfully, the Bible's story doesn't end here. It does not end here. And uh, we come to Act 3. We've got first act is what? Second act is what? The fall. Third act is redemption. Take a big breath. Take a big breath. Here's redemption. So you see, humanity, people, quickly descended into sin and rebellion against God. I don't want you to be king. I want to be king or queen over my uh, world. But even more quickly, God provided a way out of this mess. A way out of this mess that we call sin. The Bible calls sin. It's the cause of all of of this. And so immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, God in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis promised to send a Savior to save us out of this mess. Uh, Individually and then eventually as humanity and all of creation. In fact, from Genesis chapter 3, the rest of the Bible 
tells the fascinating story of the series of developments that led to the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's, that's pretty much the summary of all that's in between there. Now, write this down. Here you go. Write this down. This is where Christmas fits. Christmas comes right here. Right here. Christmas is scene one of act three of God's great story. What a great scene. What a great scene. And here's such a great scene that here's how the angels uh, announce this greatest event of history to the shepherds outside Bethlehem on that night of miracles. And this is in the beautiful poetic language of the King James authorized translation uh, of the Bible into English in 1611. Here we go. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praying, uh, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward Men, the first scene of Act 3 of God's great story of redemption. Now, back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this was a, a future promise that Adam and Eve received from God. I'm going to cure this. I'm going to save you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to, I'm going to redeem you, humanity and all of creation. I'm going to do this. What was a promise to Adam and Eve is a historical reality for you and me. Uh, we're on the good side of this. We're on the wonderful side uh, of, of this. For you see, God did come to earth in the form of a man named Jesus Christ, proving how far he would go to save us, to redeem us and redeem uh, creation. And Jesus did preach a kingdom uh, one uh, that would reign and rule not over political systems so much in the beginning, but in the hearts and minds of men and women and boys and girls. He would take the place of king again, and, and we would uh, could dethrone ourselves as little king and little queen over our lives and, uh, and, and bring in a new a kingdom, yes, where uh, love and order and peace and justice would begin to prevail uh, again, in our lives and in our, our culture, and where human flourishing in relationships uh, would begin to be restored. And he did die on the cross in a sacrificial way as a sinless, sacrificial, uh, substitutionary, atoning Savior who would pay his, uh, the, his very own penalty or pay uh, the penalty for your sin and my sin and the sin of humanity, satisfying his very own demands of justice so that moral and spiritual foul-ups just like you and me could go scot-free. Scot-free. Merry Christmas. Uh, I mean, here's where Christmas fits in God's story. The great Savior has come to you and uh, uh, and to me. And so it's very good for you to express gratitude for and to the Lord Jesus like we've done this morning by singing and praying and acknowledging His presence uh, for what He's done for us in the way that He saved us as individuals from our uh, sin and the consequences of our sin. But I want to challenge you to go a little bit further than just gratitude. Uh, not only did He save you from 
the curse of the fall, the curse of sin and all that comes with it, but he has also saved you for something. He has saved you for something. He saved you for a newer and better life while you are still here on this earth. He saved you so that you can, watch this, redirect your life from morally wrong, self-centered goals and re to back to God through Jesus and His glory and His purposes, fulfilling His calling uh, for you in this world that would bless not only God, but all other human beings. He has called you and me to that very thing. And this way of living, being in Christ, living life under His care and supervision as our King, our Lord, our God will affect every single area of your personality, every single area of your uh, family and relationships, uh, of your vocation and your calling. And uh, as you move through every realm of uh, culture, personally, socially, culturally, uh, even politically, He will change everything. He saved you for a better life here and to be with Him in eternity when you leave here. He provides that kind of salvation. This is where Christmas fits in God's great story in the Bible. But that's not all. There's a fourth and final act. And write down this word. It's called completion. Completion. You see, the final act of the Bible is actually an extension of the third act of redemption. It's the bookend, it's the completion of all of the work of redemption that Jesus is doing. Because some of you may be having the question, well, wait a minute, if Jesus solved all this problem, why do we still have some hatred? Why do we still have some chaos and disorder? Why do we still um, uh, have violence? Why do we still uh, have injustice in our, in, in our world? Because have you noticed that there is a little? Sure you have. Well, I think that's a good question. That's a darn good question. And again, this is where uh, the gift of God's great theologians who walk with Him in ways to help us understand, uh, they've given us some language for this. Uh, the kingdom of God is described... We, we now are living in what is called the now, but not yet. The now, but not yet. When Jesus performed His work in this world and died on the cross and then rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, uh, he, he, he got a, a, a foothold in this world and began the process of redemption. And it's been happening now for 2,000 years. And you're part of that. You're part of that. You've been, uh, he's been doing that work in you, but uh, there's going to come one day when he finishes and the great hope of the Christian life is we believe this outrageous, mysterious thing that Jesus is one day going to return, not as a suffering servant, but as the conquering Lord. And as, as the Apostle Paul wrote uh, in the book of Philippians, on that, on that day when he wraps up time in eternity, uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I mean, he will be king of the world. Again, really, 
in every way, over every system, over every realm of a government. He will put the world completely at right. And once again, there will be this unending, prevailing culture of love and peace and order and justice and healthy, life-giving relationships with God and with each other and other people and all of creation. So where do you get that? Well, turn over to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and just read about it in chapter 21 and 22. Completion. And he is in the process of bringing that about. And so, uh, there you go. There's the whole Bible. Now, there may be a few details I've left out. But uh, this is God's great story and where... uh, Christmas fits. And so on that great day, when this is all completed, we have again what the great poet John Milton called paradise regained. Please, Lord. This, this is what my little grandmother in Piedmont, Alabama would pray at the end of her uh, of saying grace at the table. And she'd just always say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bring that about. Bring that about. Well, For most of us in this room, probably uh, we're with the program. But some of you, this has not made sense to you until maybe this morning. And you might be saying to me, well, Pastor, as I look at God's great story, I've not been personally rescued. My life is more, more highly characterized by chaos and disorder and some violence and injustice and hatred uh, and... uh, I think I'm. I don't. I think I'm living more in an act two, still fallen away from God and in revolt over His kingship over my life. I I'm still wanting to be king of my life or queen of my of my life, and I think I'm in trouble. What do I do? What must I do to be rescued? Well, very quickly. Here's what you must do. First of all, you must redirect. You must redirect. You're saying, I'm recognizing that I have been king of my world or queen of my world, and I've been making God my... I wanted God to serve me, and I, but I want to be in charge, and I've been living in revolt against his kingship, and I'm pretty much am stuck in morally wrong, sinful, selfish ways. You admit that to him and your need for him, and you grieve that, and you... Re, here we go. You redirect by the grace of God, back to Him through Jesus. And you believe in and trust in, you place your active trust in what Jesus did when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. And you say, I want you to apply that to me personally, Lord, because I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I need, I need new life in you. And some of you are ready to do that. And if you are, I, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. Would you join me all over this room? Pray with me. And uh, if you make this commitment, you're about to be transformed by the amazing grace of Christ. And so I encourage you to do so. I'm going to walk you through a prayer of commitment. There's nothing magical about these words. This is not an incantation. It's just some words to use to express the desire of your heart honestly, openly to the Lord Jesus. And if this does express the desire of your heart, then you, you... Uh, Pray along from your heart with me. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I have been living a selfish, 
self-centered, self-righteous life, I have been trying to be king or queen of my life. And I'm sorry. I turn from my sin and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for taking my sin on your body on the cross. And I now open the door of my life and I ask you to come in, Lord Jesus, and save me, rescue me, redeem me. Come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and my God and you be my King. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for giving me your gift of new and eternal life. I trust you. Take control of me. And make me the kind of person you want me to be. To the best of my understanding, I give myself to you. Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Now, after we have repented of our sin, redirected our life, placed our faith in Jesus, there's one more thing, uh, step he asks us to take, and that is to confess him publicly before people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. And Jesus even instituted the method that he prefers for us to celebrate uh, our new life in Christ, the fact that we have committed our life to Jesus. And it's called baptism, believer's baptism. Some of you were baptized as infants, dedicated as infants, uh, christened as infants. That was very meaningful for your family and, uh, and has had an effect on you. A believer's baptism comes when you're old enough to of your own will and accord, decide to follow Jesus, and then go public with your faith, celebrate your following Jesus. We're prepared to help you do that. If you'll take the, the uh, Dogwood response card that was in your bulletin when you came in today, if you desire to be baptized, you can let me know by checking the appropriate statement on the back of that card, and our team will help you schedule your Christian baptism, your believer's baptism. Some of you prayed to receive Christ for the very first time, and uh, you're a new follower in Christ. We want to help you. Uh, we have materials to drop in the mail to you. Uh, we want to offer uh, confidential, personal, spiritual coaching for your next step spiritually. Uh, if you'll let us know by, again, checking the appropriate statement on that card that says, Today, I ask Jesus into my life and uh, turn that card in with your contact information. We'll be in touch with you to help you. We just want to help you with your next best step with Christ. Okay, got it? Got it? Good, 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 good. Okay. Well, Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. And uh, thank you. That in your great story, you made a way for us to be redeemed and brought back to you. And uh, we thank you that you are allowing us to live in this time of grace. We're glad that you are here with us. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD 
to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.